And France um, is uh, these last years um, a big uh, actor in the brand. Uh, there are a lot of French entrepreneurs uh, are developing brands from France. So they do designs that attract people and people are ready to, to buy this, uh, these watches. So we have a lot of brands that are emerging and for now not, uh, not, not really you know, the, the capacity to produce them uh, in France. But it's changing, uh, especially this last decade, uh, that there were a lot of little actors that were uh, remaining in France. Um, so historically, France has been a big country for, for watchmaking. You're listening to the Rodolfo Rivas Project. My dad has had big conversations with other people around the world and here in Geneva. He loves it and he's all crazy about it. Remember to have fun listening to it, the Rodolfo Rivas Project. That was Emeric de la Landre. This is the Rodolfo Rivas Project and I am your host. Emeric is a talented and passionate entrepreneur currently working in watches at AG. Still, from our conversation, I could tell he could easily be working in any other industry and succeed. It just happens that he's passionate about watches, which is why we have AG. Emeric is a French national, and this is something that drives him, which one of his goals is bring back French watchmaking to the forefront. French watchmaking entered the UNESCO World Heritage List in December 2020, and Emeric is one of the individuals determined to grow French watchmaking. I visited the boutique in Paris and talked to him about how watches resulted from the nexus of his interests, including technology, fashion, craftsmanship, jewelry, and business, to name a few. We also discussed what makes AG unique and how its system evolutive came into being. We also touched on the changing landscape in watchmaking, his recent collaboration with Hervé Manufacturer, for the Celeste line, and some of the plans for the brand's future. It was a delightful and insightful conversation. I think Emmerich and Heiji will continue doing great things, and I cannot wait to see what they do next. Do not miss this conversation. I am confident you will enjoy it. The Rodolfo Rivas Project is available on all major platforms or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Please help spread the word by recommending us to your friends, or even your enemies. A small act like liking, subscribing, and or review is greatly appreciated. Thank you. The views, thoughts, and opinions shared in the conversation belong to the individuals sharing them, and do not necessarily represent the views of their employers. Emmerich, thank you for having me in your nice uh, shop. It's a pleasure to meet you. A pleasure too. Uh, happy to see you and uh, welcome in Paris in the uh, Gallery. Uh, I, I want to talk about the work that you're doing here at Hegit, but before I also want to hear about uh, a bit about you. So are you originally from Paris? No, not uh, exactly. Actually, I'm, I grew up in Normandy, not so far actually mm -hmm. from, uh, from Paris. Uh, and uh, I did, uh, you know, I grew up there um, and after 18, I think, I went to Lille to do some studies at the engineering school uh, Ecole Centrale uh, before moving to the U.S. to finish my studies uh, and, uh, and coming back in Paris to start a, a career. Actually, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm still young. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> You're very young. <laughs> I'm 28, but uh, I studied, uh, I worked uh, in the beginning before launching uh, my, my company at Apple uh, in the tech industry. So, uh, yeah, I was basically an engineer. So I see that you, like you mentioned that your studies were like uh, in engineer, like math and science. That's a bit more of like the hard sciences. Um, Watches combine like a bit of both words like uh, engineering, art sciences, but they also combine a bit of art and design. Mm -hmm. Like how, how do you, growing up, did you have like these two sides to you? Yeah, 
Um, so yeah, basically I was uh, I was lucky to be not so bad at school, uh, <laughs> and it uh, allowed me to to do some studies that were you know in France also first free. Uh, so you could do like uh, higher studies uh, without having to pay so much. And uh, and you know I liked I liked sciences because uh, I liked the principle of. Uh, uh, learning like how to solve problems uh, to have a solution that is uh, you know you you cannot balance it you know when you when you solve a problem in mathematics or physics you know it's the solution um, there is a rules and uh, I like this this kind of uh, you know being a problem solver uh, with when you when you at the end you can say you, you solve the problem so this is what I like about sciences and uh, and yeah, it fitted me. But I also had the part inside me telling me, you know, uh, I would like to know more about other subjects like uh, psychology, uh, marketing. Marketing is really interesting for me. But you know, I didn't want it to go to uh, first, you know, to to these uh, things that I was thinking can could be bullshit, you know, as uh, business schools. There are that could be, some are not at all. <laughs> but I was interested, but not uh, by the principle of uh, this kind of schools. Um, so, yeah, little by little, you know, during my studies, I had the opportunity to combine uh, business and, uh, and, uh, and engineering. So from my engineering school, I, you know, I had uh, a proposition to, 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 to go to American university where you can choose, you know, balance your, your uh, fields of study. Uh, which I did, and I opened, you know, my eyes to other things that are uh, more commercial. You know, you link uh, the science with real applications in life, and how you can sell them, and how you can promote them, and uh, how it reacts to people's mind. And um, yeah, I think at this moment, I, I opened my eyes. I, I, you know, I liked planes. I liked, uh, you know, really in engineered things, uh, but not so much specialized. Um, so. Yeah, at this moment I said like uh, in the future I want to work in something really mechanical, but that that is a dream for a lot of people. So that's why I was thinking, you know, about airplanes, uh, cars, uh, watches is a part of this. Um, so yeah, I was in this uh, in this mood, and uh, yeah, at some point in my in my my studies I had the opportunity to do an internship in a watch and jewelry shop, just like for a summer, and uh, it changed my life. Uh, I I started to to. To see all these little pieces, uh, uh, watches uh, were working uh, like uh, it's a work of art, a piece of art uh, uh, with small mechanism, very small pieces that make uh, something work without uh, uh, additional source of energy. You know, it's like uh, you wear it uh, with your body when it's automatic. Yeah, otherwise, that's, that's an amazing, amazing thing. Like the the fact that you create the energy that makes it function. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was uh, I was attracted by this. I also had a, a connection with uh, with a guy at this moment. He, he was my boss. He's now my business partner. Um, so yeah, little by little, you know, uh, it became an evidence to to I became passionate about uh, watches. I, I I started to understand uh, how it's working, uh, what can be uh, from my eyes, you know, improved or changed in this industry. And um, you know, I was still at school that I was uh, starting to think about uh, my, my business, working on my business plans. Uh, and, uh, and I was working already on Egid, uh, the brand we launched uh, afterwards, um, still when I was in my studies, um, which didn't took so, so long. So after six months after my studies and working at Apple, I launched Egid. So. So yeah, it all came. Before you mentioned that you got like interested in watches when you were working at the jewelry uh, shop. Before that point, you had no no interest in watches. No, no not really. Actually, uh, the the funny story about this uh, this watch shop is uh, uh, so yeah, I was in engineering school, and um, uh, you know, at the end of the year, we had to do you know internship in uh, no. What they said is like you have to go to um, to a factory to learn how a factory is working. You just like observe uh, how it's working. Your assistant engineer kind of you're here to help and just to understand how it can work. So I was supposed to go to a factory to understand <laughs> everything that was uh, working, but I didn't really want it to go. And you know, it was during summer to be closed in the factory for three months. And I I started you know to look at the. What I could do, and um, and who is gonna be able to 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 
to cheat a bit, you know, on the, on the proposition, uh, work proposition, you know, internship proposition, and allow me to do something different. So coming from Normandy, uh, I spent the afternoon in uh, Deauville, uh, which is a, a famous city, city town. Uh, they have uh, a film festival there, yeah, an American film festival. Exactly, famous for this, and um, it's in, at the end of the summer, and usually they are recruiting people for the summer because it's, uh, you know, it's a seaside town, tourists are coming for summer. And I was like, maybe I can find like a place there in hotel or in a, in a shop where I could help a bit, uh, work on some, uh, for example, what I was proposing is like uh, improve like the cash flow management of some uh, uh, boutiques or hotels and stuff. And uh, in exchange, you know, I'm I'm in, a, in a nice <laughs> I'm, I'm next to the to the beach. I can spend a good <laughs> summer and, and that's it. So exactly how it happened I went to the city I went to two or three shops uh, hotels and I, I met this guy uh, Enric that is now my associate he, he was director of uh, the watch and jewelry uh, shop of the of the city selling Cartier um, previously Rolex Breitling and, uh, you, you know all the big uh, names in the in the watches I told him like uh, directly what I wanted to do I was not supposed to be here and uh, I just wanted to, to spend a good summer I can help in a lot of things because I'm <laughs> I was not so bad and and uh, at school and stuff and I, I can help in uh, uh, his management system and stuff he said like, okay we have a deal you know you're gonna work in the things that uh, we have and uh, <laughs> and we're gonna make you like an internship proposal that fits uh, your school requirements like uh, you're gonna do technical things uh, for watches uh, improvement of uh, <laughs> you know uh, making statistics or, or they come back uh, making like a, a, developing a software to improve the cash flow of the boutique, you know, with all the furnishes and, and to have the less stock and the, <laughs> the most margins and stuff. So basically, this is what I did. Uh, so I, I learned a bit about the business in the retail, uh, from the retail side, but I was also able to discover the products, to meet the clients that are purchasing this kind of uh, products. And yeah, to, to meet an environment, uh, which I liked. And it's how it started. It's how it started. So, like, um, your experience in the U.S. brought you back and you had the, this experience to, like, kind of merge both worlds, your studies in the U.S., but also, mm -hmm. like, uh, building this new business idea. How did you, when you were working in this uh, jewelry shop, how did you, how, how did you think that it was possible to create a brand? Like, what was, mm -hmm. what was in, your, in your head that made you allow allowed you to think that it was possible because mm -hmm. that's a it's a big leap i think yeah but how how did it work in your head um so i first i was just learning that all other brands famous brands are working uh what people like from them um the the models their their brand image uh their products, uh, basically technically what they they are so famous after so much years uh, and uh, yeah, all of this made, made me understand uh, something. And uh, in the meantime, I was seeing like other uh, actors in different industries working a bit differently, targeting like the new generations. And I was thinking like, for now, at this moment, it was maybe 10 years ago, uh, you know, those, those people are not addressed in uh, watchmaking so much. Uh, like, let's remind, uh, we are in 2022 now, but uh, yeah, 10 years ago, Uh, luxury watches were mostly for people more than 40 years old and um, uh, it was a status, uh, uh, something about statue, you, you, you were showing off uh, uh, your wealthness or something but uh, just like uh, it was a, you know, uh, an achievement to have uh, this kind of uh, luxury watches, it was not just like uh, something you would enjoy like uh, uh, clothes and stuff and in the meantime, you know, in this boutique we were selling a brand that is called uh, Fred. Uh, and uh, they, were, they were selling uh, uh, jewels. Um, but they had a collection that was working so well at this moment. And there was more than just like something about statue. It's the, the Force 10. And this uh, collection is, you know, you have a central piece uh, uh, and uh, around you adjust different straps that you can change uh, by yourself and buy uh, separately and adjust it. And for me, it was like, this doesn't exist in the, the watch world, you know, at this moment it, it was not even existing, like you can change the straps of your watch by yourself. Um, this, has, this became like a, a very normal after the Apple Watch, basically, but um, at this moment, you know, you had the, the, the luxury uh, uh, jewel, 
where uh, little by little you can buy additional pieces that that uh, that are modular uh, basically and what is nice is that uh, when you want a new strap the, the, the straps for example are made of uh, you know fabrics not so uh, luxury sometimes uh, things they, they they are worth between uh, 300 and 500 and it's an easy gift and we didn't have this in the, the watch world and i was like this uh, this is interesting for, for the jewelry. I see that it's working for the younger generations and we don't have this in the, the watch world. So uh, we were seeing that uh, straps in uh, modular systems are, were coming, but we wanted to go further. And uh, at this moment we said like, you know, uh, why stop there? Yeah. <laughs> why stop there? Yeah, why stop there? And you know, uh, people collect uh, watches. So basically what they do is like, they start with a, uh, uh, you know, let's say a, a, a professional watch, a sports watch. Uh, yeah. And when they saved enough, like let's say 10 years later, it's just like make it global and uh, it's always a different case. But uh, um, yeah, uh, you start with a, a sports watch uh, in the, from a luxury brand. 10 years later, you buy like the dressed watch. And 10 years later, the, the, the kind of... Uh, uh, unusual watch because you know you grow your collections like this and every time you have a new watch from a different brand and uh, and uh, they are all classics and uh, uh, the, the thing is that uh, they all have moments uh, they are just like uh, you grow a collection that you are not gonna wear every day and uh, we're thinking you know what, what if we just kept the movement from a watch and change the design that you, you, you would be able to change the design so you can change it more easily, uh, more frequently because it costs not the price of an entire watch and we can keep all these uh, designs and, uh, and uh, just like make the watch evolve instead of make the watch be replaced or uh, just wait so much to, to, to change. So this is all we had the idea of uh, uh, the modular system of Egid that we introduced in the, the high-end world. I think it was existing in the uh, very uh, low market uh, concept, you know, modular, but we bring it to, to, to the luxury kind of like watch world, even if we are the, in the premium luxury uh, and entry level of the luxury watch world, but still uh, having for now uh, Swiss moments and the uh, French fabric, uh, like the, all, the, all the manufacturing is, is made in France, so highly qualitative but still our prices are between three and four thousand per entire watch. So yeah, we bring like a, a, just a new uh, concept to watchmaking, which offers also a new business model. Um, so basically we are not uh, selling watches to uh, a person that is not gonna buy anymore in his life uh, a new watch uh, from us. The, the idea is like uh, they, they start with a Egid watch and then every year, uh, they or their, their relatives uh, purchase uh, from Egid like a new strap or new shapes, uh, carrure, uh, what we have, and they grow a collection from Egid and they don't, um, uh, most of the time, they don't uh, buy other, other brands. So I just like uh, thinking a bit differently and coming back to this moment, uh, uh, seeing like observation about uh, being in the store, it was really interesting because, you know, most engineers, they come, they have a project and they do work on their project and they don't see so much um, the end customer. And I had this opportunity to meet uh, the end customers, uh, even if it was not so long, if you could measure it, you could see and test uh, quickly this idea if it was working. And we, because we saw that there were uh, a demand, we just had to find a technical solution on this, which we worked on uh, for two years before releasing EGID uh, 2018. So I see that this was also, like uh, you mentioned that you, you were working for Apple uh, mm -hmm. briefly. I, I see a bit of like the, a bit of uh, ideas also from Apple that it was like this approach to the, the business like technology and like the relationship with mm -hmm. the customer. How influential were, was your experience at Apple? for your thinking of, sorry, I'm not pronouncing it well, Hegit? Hegit, Hegit, sorry. <laughs> no problem. Um, so yeah, Apple is a, is a company and more globally a brand that I really appreciate and I think a lot of people do uh, uh, because they are really uh, customer focused. Yeah. And uh, I think it was something that is coming uh, little by little in the luxury world. 
But before, it was not so much uh, the approach. Um, in, in the luxury world, was uh, you know the design, the design, and the customer, if they like, they buy, or if they don't like, uh, it's sad, but uh, they don't care. You know, luxury brands, they have a statue. Now it's changing. Now uh, the customer becomes uh, as important as the brand uh, because they have to talk at the end. They are the, the customers and they have so much opportunity. They can have the information. Um, there is competition. But uh, yeah, before it was not the case. Uh, and uh, in tech, it was also the, the, the case like this. You know, people were bringing like just a new technology. You didn't have also uh, other opportunities than buying this technology or nothing. Apple came and said, like, you know, we are going to bring the technology that all, all they have, but just with an approach that is more customer oriented, exactly what customers want. They don't want so much uh, details and stuff. They want something efficient, quick, well-designed, uh, simple, and uh, at a price quality ratio, they, would, uh, they are ready to buy uh, and purchase. And uh, yeah, it was, it's a different approach uh, of uh, marketing plus, uh, plus uh, engineering. And I think it's the idea what we wanted to bring in the, in the watch world. Um, you know, there are models that were, were first useful in this, uh, in this watch world. Uh, the first watches that are so famous, they've been designed in the beginning in order to solve problems and just giving time was uh, just a need. And uh, little by little, it became like uh, the design became famous and it became like an object of statue and stuff. And um, with Egide, we approached this thing like, okay, there is now uh, the, the, the will to have something that is mechanical, so it's, it's a, a symbol of a statue, for example, but also, you know, People like to dress, to change uh, frequently their clothes and stuff. They want to be the designer of their own things. Uh, you know, they want personalization, uh, especially younger generation. And in the watch world, you know, <laughs> I, I will make it big, but uh, the big picture. But uh, you know, you have uh, your watch and you keep it for the rest of your life. And uh, sometimes you're gonna give it to your to your son or daughter, and and it's like this. You know, watches were thought like this. Now we are thinking like maybe we have to keep this thing that is uh, nice, that people really appreciate, the longevity, uh, the, the fact that is uh, an object that, that, that will live for decades, centuries. Uh, but, uh, you know, nobody wants anymore to have the same watch than their father. <laughs> they want yeah. to change a bit, uh, even if it's the, the same model, it's just it's been redesigned. So what we want to bring is that, okay, they, they would be able to wear uh, the, the, the watch um, uh, 50 years later, 100 years later, but the design uh, would be theirs. And, you know, the concept of, uh, you know, the movement that is separated of the shape and the, the strap goes into the, this direction, you know, you're able to keep uh, the functional thing and dress it all you want. And yeah, it's how we approach the Egypt, just like seeing Technically, what people uh, want to keep, what they what they need, and uh, you know what are the new needs uh, in terms of like uh, lifestyle of the customers, and try to to reflect it uh, with an offer. And this is how we 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 did it. So ideally, you're talking about like some uh, customers of Egypt. Um, would the ideal customer be like someone young, like a young professional, or you view the customer base as bigger than that? Mm. Um, Egid is, has been launched in 2018, so we don't have so much, uh, uh, you know, years to, to, to see uh, what are our real customers, even if we have uh, ideas for now. But uh, yeah, globally now, what we see is that our customers are globally between 30 and 35, most of them, uh, so younger generation. It's their first or second uh, luxury watch. They are really, you know, uh, attached to the brand. They don't change so much. Uh, you know, when they start to buy Egid, they, they, they continue uh, throughout the time with Egid. What they like is that it's different, let's say. Um, it's something that is uh, unusual, you know. It's not the same than uh, their colleagues, the same than their friends, the same than, you know, they like the, the, the fact that it's a bit uh, different. And, you know, they really see and understand uh, the concept, why it's been designed like this, uh, what's their interest, and uh, their project themselves with uh, Egid for, for, their, for their life, you know, to changing regularly. So they buy new accessories and stuff. Um, 
it's this thing. So most of them are young, but little by little, you know, um, you know, the, the, the word is spread. And uh, we have other customers from other origins and stuff that is, it's developing and it's good for us. Uh, so we are actually, uh, we were thinking to target th these customers uh, from the beginning, but uh, little by little it's uh, expanding and we are happy actually to welcome new people, uh, older, younger generations also uh, with different approaches. There is this fact that, uh, that the prices are um, still in the premium luxury uh, segment, uh, which makes us like um, uh, available for the let's say uh, top 25 uh, percent of the, the developed countries uh, globally so which is still a big 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 market um, but uh, yeah you know it's uh, we are ready to to target a lot of people and um, we were talking earlier about um, i mean i want to hear your thoughts about um, there was this recent article in houdinki that was talking about the rebirth of the french uh, watch making scene. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, this is watchmaking is not something that exclusive is exclusive to any country, but sometimes people associate it with certain tech limited countries. How do you see uh, French wa watchmaking fitting in that whole ecosystem? Mm -hmm. So everybody knows uh, for the luxury watchmaking Switzerland that is uh, you know the elephant in the room. They are the leaders for for decades and decades. And, um, and they are the masters of uh, watchmaking. They are producers of, uh, of uh, watches uh, for decades and they are doing the best uh, watches uh, in the world right now. Um, but uh, there is also you know, other actors, uh, especially in Asia. Um, so Japan is doing great watches also, um, still a bit uh, less qualitative, but also really price competitive uh, in, the, in the market and they represent way more volume. And there is the same with uh, uh, China, India and stuff. Americas is also a producer. And France um, is, uh, these last years, um, a big uh, actor in the brand. Uh, there are a lot of French entrepreneurs uh, are developing brands from France. So they do designs that attract people and people are ready to, to buy this, uh, these watches. So we have a lot of brands that are emerging and for now, not, uh, not, not really, you know, the, the capacity to produce them uh, in France. But it's changing, uh, especially this last decade, uh, that there were a lot of little actors that were uh, remaining in France. Um, so historically, France has been a big country for, for watchmaking. And um, most of, the, of the, the, the people working in the industry uh, went to, to Switzerland uh, because of the, its clothes. And, uh, it has also a political and historical reason why uh, uh, this move. Um, but the ones that are remaining in France are mostly working for, for Swiss uh, actors. Um, so that, you know, they are really specialized, they are doing very great uh, things, uh, very high qualitative uh, things for watchmaking. But for brands that are uh, at the end uh, represented with uh, the, the Swiss make label. So, uh, what's changing this, uh, this last year is that there are people that, are, that, that, that want to show that they are French, so they label their watches uh, made in France, uh, and they work with these actors that are based in France. These actors are able to produce cases, uh, uh, assemble finishes of the watches, but there is still something that is missing in France, is that uh, since several decades, we are not able to produce movements, watch movements, so the thing that makes you know a, a legitimacy in this industry it's changing uh, some actors uh, from switzerland are actually opening new factories in france some are uh, developing from scratch let's say uh, in france some are buying uh, factories in switzerland to bring them back in france um, and yeah they are in the in the next years they're going to be movements uh, in france and yeah this is the direction we want to follow with our approach at EGID, with creativity, you know, evolutionary, the, the, the system is really, you know, at the border between fashion and, uh, and watchmaking. So we are 
following the, the, the greatness of watchmaking, well done uh, watchmaking. But also our system is not you know, static, it's uh, evolutive, it's like the fashion. And France is recognized in the yeah, luxury fashion. Yeah. And, and that's why in the beginning it was a risk actually, but we decided to, to label, label our, our watches made in France, even if our movements are Swiss because we were believing in this, uh, this trend that is emerging now um, of the, the made in French watch that is something in, in the world uh, will mean that is something more about design uh, and, uh, and creativity, but still with uh, great quality. Maybe not the same quality as uh, Swiss can do, uh, but there is you know, this little different things that is uh, not statical, like the, the pieces of art that you can have in Switzerland, but yeah, something more, um, um, a living piece, you know? And this is uh, what we were thinking and what's happening actually, most of the brands that are positioning with the Made in France are doing this. If we are able to produce also our movements and, and do entirely our watches in France, we will be happy to do it because First, I think it's more natural, you know, you're French, you're working with French people, you're doing everything inside. There are opportunities because uh, France has a lot of um, uh, commercial agreement with, uh, you know, a lot of countries and, and, and even the European uh, uh, zone that are big markets for, for the positioning we have. And uh, actually, it's who we are, it's what we wanted to do. So it's, uh, we are grateful for this and we want to be involved in this. So, yeah. Um, and you were talking about like um, the strong point of the French uh, industry, which is design. Um, you were also, um, well, you mentioned before Apple, and I want to come back because I think this made me think about it, how Apple designs their products in, in the US. Mm -hmm. So it's like US IP, but they're really not manufactured in the US. Yeah. They're manufactured somewhere else, yeah. which seems like similar to your approach. Yeah, yeah, it's actually, uh, oh, it's happening right now. Uh, let's say most of the brands are designing and, and trying to produce the most of things they can in, in France. But uh, the reality is that uh, not a lot of uh, uh, factories are able to produce either the quantities, the quality and stuff uh, in France. So yeah, designed in France and produced sometimes for brands, it's in China, sometimes it's in Switzerland like, uh, like we do. And sometimes it's a mix between uh, 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 French manufacturer with Swiss uh, movements, uh, like Egid. Uh, some other brands uh, we are, we are, that are emerging in, in, in the, the, the watch world, like uh, let's say Baltic is a French brand. It's famous, it's working well. But you know, they assemble in France, uh, they design in France, and uh, they are based in France. And some of their production is, is in Asia, uh, but at the end, you know, it's uh, to target a certain type of customer, and it's working. And uh, what people recognize from them, from Egide, uh, from yeah, most French brands, it's, you know, there is this approach of design. And then after, uh, the production and the price positioning is a bit different. The fact is that uh, most of the people, uh, uh, of the entrepreneurs uh, and, and in this uh, French watch brands, um, they are ready actually to move forward and, and, and bring the production back in France because there is, you know, it's more easy uh, logistically uh, and stuff. And economically, it's, it's easier. There is just not the infrastructure. And so that's why all together we are trying to, 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 to bring uh, little by little uh, some manufacturers in France so we can do uh, this all together. You mentioned um, Baltic and there's a lot of brands uh, that are coming up in France. How, how is your relationship with them? Is it like a... Do you talk to them? Is there like a, a friendly ecosystem here in France or is it pretty much all on their own? Uh, I would say that uh, the luck we have in France is that uh, we are most uh, of us small actors and um, we are going the same direction. Um, we have to, to show that uh, France uh, has a place, you know, in this watch world and for now it's not known. So, We are friends and uh, working all together, <laughs> sometimes uh, uh, official, uh, officially, sometimes it's just like uh, we send uh, uh, between entrepreneurs some uh, messages, we do some parties all together uh, <laughs> just to, to meet and, and, and share our thoughts and our, 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 
life as an entrepreneur in this world uh, and uh, yeah to grow all together shares uh, um, experiences and stuff so there is a friendly ecosystem actually in France uh, for entrepreneurs but I think it's the same uh, in uh, in other countries there are you know for example Switzerland is uh, is uh, more structures there are groups uh, sometimes competitors and stuff but still you know it's um, Watchmaking is also a passion, and uh, people working like uh, I, I I cannot believe that uh, the engineers working in a, in a, in a brand, uh, let's say for the movement design, and the one for another brand, you know they, they share the same passion. So there is no way they, they cannot discuss. Of course, there are, there is the, the the competition and stuff uh, that I can understand, uh, but I think you know in in this industry, it's more. Uh, a friendly industry at, at uh, the, the, the level of uh, the, the people working in the brand. People managing the brands, the finance and stuff uh, can see the things differently, but uh, globally most of the people in the industry, in France and everywhere in this industry, I think they are sharing a passion. No, and I think that that's important because, as you said, it's a movement, it's not only one brand. So mm -hmm. what benefits the whole ecosystem benefits everyone. Uh, yeah, I, I guess so, you know, it's, it's like, um, the more someone is growing, the more it will help the other to grow, uh, for now in, in France especially. And uh, you know, in Switzerland, it's working like this. The Swiss-made label is something that is recognized everywhere in the world. And it took years to... It took years yeah. and it, it took, the, it took the, 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 the community of the, the Swiss watchmakers all together fighting for this label. So. If you don't act like this uh, all together, like uh, speaking with one voice, I think it's not just gonna work. Uh, that's the thing, and um, that's why you know in France and uh, in, in in Switzerland, as uh, they, they they do in Japan, is in this industry and in all other industries basically. If you are not uh, uh, working with your with with the people that are fighting for the same values, then it's just not gonna make sense and it's just not gonna grow. So. When actors are understanding this, that's fine, you know. And also, they, there are different market segments that yeah. each one approaches. So it's, yeah. so it's not even if it's a competition, it's it's good. It makes it better. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, French watchmaking is less than one percent of the the global watch world. So we are not competitors, and there is a place to grow. For everyone. And, and, and the market, the global market of the of the watch industry, even if people say like uh, there is the smart watches and stuff that's gonna kill. Uh, no, it's not the case. You know, people. Uh, I mean, it can it can be for people for companies that are not adapting, but globally the watch market globally uh, mechanical uh, especially is growing. So there is more place every year, and uh, and just uh, the, the there is place for new actors. And uh, you were also talking about some of your passion that was marketing. How important is marketing in building a brand? And the reason why I bring this up is because it seems that. In the watch industry, everything moves so fast. A uh, brand launches a new product, mm -hmm. and then everyone in the watch world is talking about that product, and then two days later, everyone forgets about it, and we're talking about yeah, yeah. Uh, the next product. How does, how does marketing help like address that? Or um, Yeah, it's interesting uh, what, what you're saying about like this rhythm of um, new collections and stuff that is uh, so fast right now, and uh, let's say, yeah, again, 10 years ago, it was, one time per year uh, during a salon, new watches were presenting all the brands all together. During one week, all the, the brands were presenting their novelties that will be available for the, the year in boutiques and they are gonna come in boutiques three, four months later. I think that's where, where you presented your first collection, no? In Baselworld? Yeah, yeah. 2019? Yeah, yeah, we started at Baselworld. It was uh, probably the last edition. Yeah, <laughs> the last one. And yeah, the world changed because of connection. Um, uh, online and the, the, the rhythm of uh, um, customers, what they were, they were willing, expecting, you know, it was not enough for them like to have uh, one new watch per year 
or have the, the 10 new watch of a brand uh, in the meantime, in the same year, and then they will be available only four months after in, in stores. And you know, when we were uh, developing aging with the, the fact that we are gonna launch you know, new shapes, new straps regularly throughout the years, it's basically uh, all other brands are working right now. You know, we're just thinking this is gonna change, but it's what's happening. You know, brands are launching new models because customers want uh, new things. So, the, from the technical side, uh, it became yeah something marketing. When you launch a product, it has to be an event, and you have to 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 make the the, the wow effect all the time, even uh, if uh, your products have to stay and live for decades. So there is there is this thing that is a bit controversial between you know you you have to to make the buzz on something that's going to be in the right moment uh, with the right design to the right customers at some point and uh, and actually it has to live and last and still be attractive in uh, 20 years your product so yeah it, it's interesting uh, uh, to, to to work on this marketing is becoming very crucial uh, in the in this industry there are different aspects actually that are changing and this is really nice uh, to have like a background like mine uh, from from the digital uh, industry and uh, and uh, with you know experience in working in the in the in the watchmaking industry is that uh, more and more customers are buying online purchasing online they are not going anymore to retailers or they are going to retailers to try the watches and and sometimes purchase them elsewhere uh, just they want to compare they are uh, reading different types of articles and uh, it's changing before it was you know you were discovering the new products uh, in the journal and then you were able to see them four months later in the store and at this moment you were able to purchase or not now there is so much options you know you're seeing new watches uh, all the time which one you're gonna pick up when you will have the money actually there is a, you can make a difference uh, when this watch is available on your website or not you know are you able to offer you know a better warranty or, or uh, you know, uh, payment in different terms, uh, like uh, with uh, installments. There are so much opportunity to, to do this. And uh, this is what's interesting is that uh, there is so much way to speak to different customers and bring them uh, different things. And it's actually, uh, we are taking the, 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 the rules of the e-marketing uh, to our industry without forgetting that we are selling pieces that are gonna last forever, which means that a brand is really important. You have to, you have to build a, a strong brand and uh, uh, building a brand takes time. And um, you, know, uh, you have to stay relevant all the time, not change so much uh, your, 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 your voice. Uh, you have to stay yeah, relevant. And, uh, there is this thing of being uh, always innovative and, and constant. Um, and we have to work on this. And I think luxury is a, is a, a, it's a challenge uh, that I like uh, to, work, uh, to work here. And um, talking about um, the market, you, you've probably been following how the market correction has affected uh, the value and the secondary um, market of watches how how does this affect uh, a brand like yours the, or does it yeah maybe the, it doesn't yeah the, the secondary market is really important i think for established brands um in order to show because you know at some point a, a customer is going to make a decision let's say when when a customer is going to spend the price of the aged watch uh for four thousand years um in a watch, you, most of them will compare, you know? There is the design, there is the brand, equity, there is uh, what they always dreamed of, you know? The, what's associated with, there is several things. But there is also, you know, the fact that it can be also considered as an investment. So you, I'm buying this watch because in case I can resell it and it's gonna value uh, plus or minus something. So. The, the, the secondary market uh, is here also to justify what's, what, what the price can be. So brands can work on this uh, by regulating this uh, secondary market um, or uh, 
not work on it and let the customer decide <laughs> what's going to be the, the, the prices of the, of the watches. And there are also, you know, the, 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 the sales uh, uh, with um, uh, very special pieces for, um, uh, I don't know the word in English, enchère. Um, expensive? No, no, uh, when it's, when it, uh, you know, the, there are different beats. Uh, the, the one that offers the most money uh, is taking it uh, during a special mm. event. I, I, I forgot <laughs> I the know, word. I know what you mean. But <laughs> but it, it, you can work on it. Um, but as a young brand, uh, mm. like Egypt, we are not really ready to work on this thing because uh, we are not positioned as uh, everything is a limited edition. So we don't have, you know, people that are buying just to resell uh, with a bonus. And um, uh, our idea is more to let our customer buy their f first watch and keep them for long. It's what we are selling them. So we don't see so much uh, products being uh, sold uh, on a secondary, secondary market, but we still need to be attentive on this because if you're selling your watch for a thousand and at the end your customer is selling uh, this on the secondary market for a very low price, then it will uh, probably make the people that are looking at the value uh, in the long term of the watch be afraid. And in the same thing, uh, if people are buying just to resell uh, with a bonus, as it happens sometimes with uh, some magic products, uh, then it's, uh, we don't think it's, um, it's good also because uh, you're losing the real customers, the ones that are going to speak good about your brand and stuff, not only in terms of money, but they really like the products. Mm. So yeah, it's something we are looking at, just uh, trying to be in the middle. And um, yeah, I think it's a challenge actually for brands, even the established ones. Um, and now uh, talking about the, the latest co uh, collection, uh, you just showed me one of the latest pieces, the Celeste, I mm -hmm. think it's called, uh, which is a limited uh, edition. What are some of the other, whatever you can tell us, some of the other like plans for the the near yeah. future. So basically with the, the first idea of Egid, uh, it was to have like, you know, the, the, the iconic uh, types of watches in, in the same collection in the beginning. So we started with uh, a yeah. sports watch, yeah. then after we have the classic. A sports watch is the Vision. Uh, classic is, uh, um, is the Laboratoire. Uh, then we have the, the, the Vintage with the Mirage and, uh, and uh, a bit, uh, you know, uh, squared uh, shape. Uh, that is the expedition. Some of them are already sold out and stuff, so little by little we are releasing uh, uh, renewed designs uh, of these collections. Um, and now, little by little, it's also the principle of Egypt is to be creative. So we are bringing um, things that you couldn't see elsewhere, you know, design that you couldn't see elsewhere, because it's uh, building actually the Egypt brand. It also goes in the, in the comparison with the fashion industry where you have, uh, you know, the, the haute couture, uh, things that are here just to show the potential of mm -hmm. the, uh, and the creative potential of the brand. Uh, it also nurtures our art director imagination. Uh, and actually it's what makes people uh, like or not the, the identity of the brand, even if most of the purchases are made on the traditional collections. Uh, so, the Celeste was made for this. Uh, we designed a, a, a collection, this time in collaboration from, with our art director and another one. So uh, Hervé, Hervé is two cousins. Uh, one used to be the art director of the Daft Punk. And the other is a very fabulous uh, wood maker doing awesome things. Uh, if you're <laughs> listening to this, you can check uh, on their website. Um, <laughs> the, the thing is that uh, we are bringing uh, different uh, points of view uh, in the watch world, things that usually you couldn't think about uh, when you have uh, something that is made to be produced in a uh, uh, very big quantity. So these watches are made uh, a limited edition uh, in 100 pieces, but it made way more uh, buzz in media than all other collections. Uh, it, it, it reinforces the, the, the brand equity of Egypt it makes speaks about uh, the Egypt concept and it actually uh, redirects people on other collection if uh, they think that uh, the, the, the Celeste is not uh, uh, for them, but they think attractive the, 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 
the way the brake fix, you know. So what we're going to work on for the for the future is yeah, reinterpret uh, our current collections all the time with new design, new materials, uh, new shapes and stuff. Uh, every year we are trying to, to, to redesign one of our collection. The next one coming is the Vision. We don't have it anymore. They are all sold out. So a new one is going to be uh, launched soon at the, at, by the end of the year. Same for the expedition. And uh, at least once per year, we're going to do like crazy things like we did uh, with, the, <laughs> with the Celeste. Something that is not usual, but shows the capacities uh, of the brand. We also want to collaborate on other things than watchmaking. So, and we still didn't, didn't launch anything, but we are, gonna, we are gonna do things like this. And we are also involved in, uh, in the French manufacture. So for now, we are using Swiss movements uh, provided by a, a good supplier, Celita. They made special movements for us. Uh, but little by little, we're gonna produce in France. Yes, and we're, we're going to have our own uh, movements, um, so kind of uh, in-house. So it's going to be released in order also to, to, to increase the brand equity and, and, and to, be, to be able actually to, to, to not be dependent on others, on the most crucial things. Um, so yeah, this is, uh, this is what we are working on. Um, and commercially, actually, the brand started mostly in France, uh, and uh, from France and online, we were addressing the European Union, basically. We are distributed in, uh, in Paris uh, in our store, but also in the big uh, stores like La Samaritaine, Printemps in Paris, so the big one. And we were not able, actually, till now, uh, to produce enough to open uh, a lot of uh, distributors. This is changing. Uh, so. We are opening uh, uh, other distributors all around uh, Europe uh, in the coming years. And also the US is a big market for us um, and is going to develop. Uh, we have a lot of uh, demand there. Um, so yeah, commercially, we, we, are, we are developing uh, our locations. But you already have a, a distributor in the US? We have actually a, a business partner. Um, he, he's um, not actually a business partner. He's a part of the brand. He's, uh, he's associated. Uh, uh, he has shares in the in the in the company, and he's based in New York. And uh, yeah, it's Scott Montemoro, and Scott used to be a, a commercial director for other brands in this industry, like Vacheron Constantin. In the past, he was CEO for North America of Hermes. Uh, when they launch watches. So yeah, we have uh, experienced people in the, in the company, uh, both uh, in Europe and, and uh, in other locations. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 28 uh, right now, and I'm probably the youngest of the, of the company uh, with the, less, the least experience, uh, which is also nice because you know, I bring another point of view and, uh, and I learn from uh, the experience of the others. Uh, in the special watch world, uh, but it's always good, you know, to 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 balance uh, things with what's existing and 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 try to challenge it with uh, uh, new things like I I like to do, and I think it's why Egid is uh, is taking little by little a place in this uh, watch world that looks so close. Uh, well, Emmerich, it looks like you have your hands full <laughs> with a lot of things uh, on your plate. But I'm really glad that I had an opportunity to meet you and talk to you about uh, your vision and to see some of the wonderful pieces that you are making. Thanks, Rodolfo. It was a pleasure too. And uh, I hope we can meet soon. And uh, maybe in some years we're <laughs> going to do this uh, interview again and a lot of things will change. Yes, um, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> and uh, yeah, pleasure. Thanks Thank for coming. Thank you coming. very much. This was the Rodolfo Rivas Project. I hope you loved it. Can you dig it?